Welcome to GenCast, a sponsored podcast series brought to you by Genetic Engineering and Biotechnology News. I'm your host, Jeff Bukaliskis. Hello, everyone. Welcome to GenCast. Let's meet our presenter for today's podcast and have her tell us a little bit more about herself. Claudia? Hi, I am Claudia Maury. I'm Professor of Immunology at University College in London. My interest and passion has always been to study regulatory B cells, which for those who don't know, is a population of B cells with a powerful immunosuppressive capacity. I suppose the reason why I started working on these cells is because I believe I was among the first people that discovered the capacity of B cells to suppress immune responses. And that was going back when I was still working as a postdoc in a lab at Imperial College here in London. And as often happens, discovery made by chance. So I was originally working, my work was primarily on T cells and the pathogenic role of T cells in arthritis. And by coincidence, I identified that in addition of many pro-inflammatory cytokines, there was a population of cells present in my culture that produce interleukin-10, which I assume you all know is a very powerful anti-inflammatory cytokine. And then I went on and used different markers until eventually I identified that this population of cells that make IL-10 in mice, that was my model I was working in, in those days with arthritis, was indeed a B cells. And that really initiated the field. And as often happens in science, when you think that you are the only one having a brilliant idea and have this discovered something, actually you realize that across the pond, in this case in the United States, somebody else has a similar idea and come up with the same funding. So simultaneously, there were suddenly three papers describing for the first time the role of B-cells and their suppressive effect in that time in the context of autoimmunity. And as a consequence of their suppressive capacity, we define them as a regulatory B-cells, mostly as a simplicity more than as a function, really. So what the regulatory cells do really is they restrain inflammation. They are always present. They're present in healthy individuals. Most of you who are listening today have 10% of this population circulating in your peripheral blood. But what happens often is during the peak of inflammation and acute inflammation, then these regulatory B cells increase in numbers. And this is often as a consequence of the immune system trying to fight infection diseases, now very topic, uh, virus like COVID, or for example, after bacterial infection and even in tumors. And the reason why we have this increase in regulatory B cells during an active response is to restrain excessive inflammation and dampen potential collateral damage that an unclear viral infection or the consequence of the viral infection could do. If I can make a comparison Perhaps we see at the moment during this pandemic with COVID, we all know that there is an increase of pro-inflammatory cytokines. And perhaps, at least in the early stage, there might be regulatory B cells that are trying to suppress this, but they fail for whatever reason that we haven't yet had a chance to investigate. 
Now, the other aspect of the coin is clearly the autoimmune disorders where you have, however, a chronic inflammation. And in diseases like lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, for example, um, as we all know, the immune cells react against our own antigens. And there is this hyperactivation of several cell type, which include T cells, B cells that produce autoantibodies, macrophages, and so on. And in this case, due to the prolonged exposure to persistent chronic inflammation, the regulatory B cells tend to decrease. And I suppose that it's really the beginning of our interest in this field, where many years ago now, I suppose it's almost 20 years ago, we show for the first time that in patients with systemic lupus erymatosus, they have very, very few regulatory B cells in circulation when we compare with the frequency that we see in healthy in individual. The other interesting aspect, the way that we moved forward is to try and to understand how the regulatory B cells differentiate. If we can understand that, what are the signals that induce the differentiation of these cells? We could potentially use them for therapy, manipulate them for therapeutic usage and trying to restore the lack of regulatory B cells in patients with autoimmunity. Claudia, thanks for that intro. Some really great background into how you got into the field. Where do you see BREG cell studies going in the future and what are the challenges? That's an interesting question. And we have looked very closely to what has happened to what we call it our cousin, the T-REG in the field and where they have gone in terms of therapy. And for many years, we've been watching to see how their field has moved into the clinic to see whether we could avoid some of the mistakes that have been made in the field in the past to perhaps learn mostly something. But one important point that I like to make in regulatory B cells are like regulatory T cells is that there isn't such a things like natural regulatory B cells, if we want to call it like the natural regulatory T cells. So in another word, any B cells at the moment, as the field stands, can differentiate into regulatory B cells. And the reason, as I said in my little intro, they do that is in response to some inflammatory signals. And the inflammatory signals that they see and they react and they differentiate into regulatory B cells are the same signals that will induce inflammation, for example, in lupus. Let's say uh, we show that interferon alpha, which we know when it's produced chronically is one of the causes of the disease. The quantity of interferon alpha is fundamental for any mature B cells. When the mature B cells are the cells that come out from the bone marrow, they reach the peripheries and they see these stimuli as a danger, as an inverted comma. And as a consequence, they become regulatory B cells and they produce higher 10. And the results of this is then to modulate, to suppress excessive inflammation. And I often use in my talks the use of excessive inflammation because I think that is really the function of regulatory B cells, is to restrain the development of an excessive inflammation. Sorry, I know I'm taking a big detour to answer your question, but this is necessary to understand potential future in therapy. So what we did is to take a step back and trying to understand which signals are missing or present in excess 
in uh, autoimmune models and see whether these signals are those that will differentiate in regulatory B cells. But we haven't done only that. We also look at the concentration. And unfortunately, we realize that it's not as easy to be targeted because, as you can understand, you can't simply inject subkinds, let's say interferon into a patient or into an individual, hoping to induce the differentiation of regulatory B cells. Because obviously, you need to tune very carefully the amount of this inflammatory cytokine that you provide and that the B cells need in order for them to differentiate into regulatory B cells. But lately, we have just published actually a manuscript a few weeks ago showing the dietary derivatives metabolized by the gut bacteria are important for the maintenance of a good number of regulatory B cells and mature B cells. Because again, you need both in order to remain healthy. So what we show is that actually we all love eating broccoli, for example, and we know that this broccoli or many other type of green vegetables contains a substance that get digested. So they're called short-chain fatty acid. And the short-chain fatty acid, in particular beauty rate, are metabolized by bacteria. So when you give this to mice, we show that the beauty rate suppress the development of arthritis. And it does that by diminishing the amount of bad B cells, let's call it, the B cells that will produce all the antibodies as well as reducing the number of geminocenters, etc., in favor of the maintenance of regulatory B cells. And it does that via a very complicated system, but simply put, beauty rate kills some of the bad bacteria in the gut in favor of other bacteria that then works on the metabolization of tryptophan, which then leads to an increase of serotonin. And then we found that serotonin is important because it binds to a transcription factors, the AHR, which is important for the transcription of IL-10. So it's a very long winding way to describe the system, but that's just to say that the way that we are concentrating at the moment, and we really think we can go forward, one is to trying to modulate the total amount of cytokines, pro-inflammatory cytokines that there is in circulation. And the second one is trying to manipulate diet by giving prebiotics, probiotics, depending on the system, which then could change the composition of the gut microbiota in favor of those who release ligands that they bind to transcription factors important for the differentiation of IL-10. And I think the latter is my favorite one. And it's not only my favorite ones, but it's a patient's favorite one. So we have always patients asking, how can they change their diet, for example? for health benefit. We're bombarded by the media, rightly so, encouraging people to eat more green and fruit, etc., etc. And I think there is some scientific evidence and solid science coming out showing what is the actual functional mechanism and the advantage of eating this healthy diet to favor the differentiation of immunosuppressive cells. Say that obviously is a very, very early stage and other people are looking into directly modify the way that B cells differentiate in favor of regulatory B cells, targeting signaling pathways or targeting other markers that have been identified to recognize regulatory B cells. So it's all coming up at the moment. But unfortunately, it's really nothing yet specific that allows us to say that in the next few years, we will be there with the treatment of patients with regulatory B cells. 
And just to conclude for this question, obviously there is a lot of talks about using the expansion of regulatory B cells in vitro for then reinfusing these B regs in patients with transplantation, in patients with autoimmunity, and so on. However, there is a big issue with B cells in general. They don't like T cells. They really don't like to be cultured in vitro. They die very, very quickly. They are very unstable and the natural progression, wherever you put them in vitro to culture, is to become plasma cells. And therefore, we need to make sure that even if they differentiate into plasma cells, they carry on their capacity to produce IL-10 and not that ability to produce autoantibodies, for example, in autoimmunity, which could be very detrimental if it's that the case when we reinject these cells into patients. Claudia, fascinating, really. Just some stuff I never even heard before. So I think that's something our audience is really going to be interested in. So for the next and sort of final question, I'd like to switch gears a little bit and focus on one of the hotter topics in the molecular biology field um, and talk about the emergence of CAR B cell therapies and the increased focus on engineering primary B cells with CRISPR-Cas system. How did it change the vision of your research, especially when thinking of the need of new primary B cell assays? This is really, really in infancy in B cells, like, for example, in T cells or other cells, exactly for what I just say that, in generally speaking, it's quite difficult to culture B cells and to keep them happy in vitro, as well as for decades now, many of us are trying to transfect human primary B cells with very little or non success. I mean, you, know, you might get a 20% of transfection and that is not even uh, super stable. So clearly the CRISPR-Cas technology, it will change the way that we manipulate B cells. And with that, many diseases, B cell mediated disease could change the landscape of the way that we might treat patients with B cells mediated disease. For the regulatory B cells, for example, one example is that we have recently identified, as I say, the Haril hydrocarbon receptor, shortened for HR, is a transcription factor which is involved in the codification of environmental signals. For those of you who are old enough, like DDT is the exogenous ligand of HR, or as I said before, beauty rate changes and serotonin, for example, metabolites, is another ligand for this HR. And HR is critically involved in determining the fate of neuron B cells. We haven't done that yet in human. But what's very important is that once the ligand is bound to the HR, which then induces the transcription of IL-10 on one hand, what it also does is to suppress the transcription of many other genes that we know are involved in the differentiation and maturation of B cells into, for example, germinal centers, memory B cells and plasma cells. So, of course, it would be therefore extremely useful for us to explore this technology, the CRISPR-Cas technology, for example, to knock out HR on primary B cells in order to address what is the effect of the lack of the HR in B cells in human, or even, for example, using patients with cancer, where we know that in certain type of tumors, even intratumorally, there are loads of regulatory B cells producing an excess of IL-10, which then suppress the differentiation of cytotoxic T cells, suppress T cells making interferon gamma, therefore, as well as NK cells and macrophages. So in that case, having less regulatory 
regulatory B cells would be extremely useful. Of course, this is all speculation at the moment and almost something that we are dreaming of having this technology to pursue this goal. On the other hand, we and others have identified surface receptors. They are significantly upregulated exclusively in uh, human regulatory B cells. And in particular, the some of these markers are altered in patients with autoimmune diseases, which we know regulatory B cells are important in the maintenance of tolerance and they are numerically deficient in these patients. And therefore, these molecules are an attractive target for genetic engineering with CAS. Now, if this strategy proves to be successful in our system, which is quite likely, to be honest with you, we'd be looking forward to explore other exciting alternatives that this technology offers. For example, the overexpression of molecules that we know are defective in regulatory B cells in patients with autoimmune diseases. And therefore, this will open up several attractive avenues for gene therapy approaches. I mean, we touch upon a little bit on this CAR B cell as a powerful immunotherapy tool in different clinical settings. I believe that there is nothing really published yet and we're very still in infancy in this sector. But clearly the possibility to genetic and engineering primary cells, B cells, will pave the way for future exploration in several different clinical applications, including transplantation beyond autoimmune diseases. That is the primary area that we look at the immunodeficiency and so on. Claudia, thank you so much for joining us for this GenCast. Wonderful information you shared with our audience. We really appreciate that. And like I said, it's very, very fascinating stuff. We'll be keeping quite an eye on you and your research in the future. So thank you again. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to GenCast. For genetic engineering and biotechnology news, I'm Jeff Pogaliskas.